This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. When I was in junior high and high school, I was an avid reader of Field and Stream magazine. The column I turned to most was Taps Tips, pieces of outdoor advice from H.G. Tap Tapley. He had all these little hacks and suggestions for everything from starting a fire on a wintry day in the woods to making a varmint call with a blade of grass between the knuckles on your thumb. I think I drove my my family crazy, (laughs) you know, blowing that thing, that high-pitched, shrill sound. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I learned a lot, although the idea for bending over a small tree with a trap on the end of it didn't turn out too well when my Uncle Mike and I tried it. He's only six years older than I was, and he and my brother Dave and I were out one night on on my grandparents' farm down by this, this creek and set this trap, and it snapped up and resulted in him getting six stitches in his forehead. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, my gosh! So thank you, Tap Tapley, for that tip. <laughs> Uh, another book I devoured was The Outdoorsman's Handbook by Clyde Ormond. It was published in 1972 by Outdoor Life, and I, I kept a copy of it. It, it has this green book That's jacket, awesome. and it's got all kinds of advice. And I, I know that I use some of it today. I don't make my own moccasins, <laughs> which I'm sure uh, you're glad to know that, Dave. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I picked up a lot of great advice from that. You know, I, I wonder, it kind of raises a question, do you have any mentors from people you've received good advice over the years? And maybe it's even business related, it doesn't have to do anything with outdoor pursuits, but it, where have you gotten some good advice? Well, both from a book and from, uh, actually it was a series of articles, and from a person who was my editor uh, at the publishing house that I worked at. But there was a a guy who I'd call like a mentor. I'd never met the guy. Maybe I did even like at a trade show, but he wrote a bunch mm-hmm. of articles and blogs and actually it was pre-blog. He wrote a book on just how to write an article. Hmm. And wow. and when you go to a, like a seminar at one of the trade shows on writing and publishing, I was in magazine publishing, he would have like 190 tips on how to improve your writing. Huh. I mean, wow. seriously. And they were all tips. It was really broken down well. And he really mentored me from afar and wow. really helped improve my writing. The human was was the editor that uh, that I reported to. His name was Mark Galley, and he really taught me how to write. So when I arrived at the publishing house, they, they hired me because they thought I could write and edit. Well, oh my gosh. When I started <laughs> editing and he started reviewing my edits, yeah. he, we call it redlining. And, my, and the page would just be bloody oh, with wow. redlines, right? And I... I actually had a lot of doubt in the fir- during that first year because I thought I thought I knew how to write and he yeah. just would strip it back and cut the fat out and restructure and wow I really credit Mark with teaching me how to write and so all those tips and all those suggestions was came in the form of red lines <laughs> uh, really changed how I wrote and so tips and hacks and suggestions if you take them to heart, they can change the course of either your fly fishing or some other skill. That's so true. Well, you know, these mentors come in all sizes and shapes, and 
Uh, sometimes mentors are people we don't really know, but they influence us with a comment or a piece of advice. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about best fly fishing advice. And both Dave and I have come up with five pieces of best fly fishing advice. Uh, we're not stack ranking them. And in fact, some of these we've probably talked about before. Uh, but here they are in no particular order. Uh, some of our favorite pieces of fly fishing advice. So number one, Dave, why don't you go first? The first, and this uh, comes from one of our listeners. His name is Chuck Marshall. And it was about a year or two ago, he sent me this link to a video on how to tie the infinity knot. Yes, thank you, Chuck. Dave will not stop talking about this. And I, for years, <laughs> have struggled with tying leader to tippet. And if you've yeah. been out and fished at all, you know that's where it breaks often, right? Yep. You, you tie on some tippet and you hook into a nice little fish and or a nice big fish. Next thing you know, snap. And where it always breaks off is where you've tied it onto the, onto the leader. At least it often breaks off for me. And so this knot called the infinity knot is so simple to tie. It really is. And yeah. it's more simple than the surgeon's knot. It's just... In fact, you start it like a surgeon's knot, but then instead of inserting tag ends, you do this twist and, and wow. voila. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And it's great, yeah. especially for now that I'm taking up Euro nymphing, just to tie, you know, so you have a tag end left, you can tie another, uh, another fly onto that. So thank you, Chuck. So the infinity yeah. knot, just Google the infinity knot and Chuck Marshall and you'll get up that little video or else you can go to our website uh, i think i posted it on there as well yeah, but yeah it's just one of those hacks or tips i don't know what do you call it but how yeah. to tie the infinity knot and the way he did it on the on the video was just so simple and as soon as you learn it you think what have i been doing all yeah. these years yep yeah that's good dave i i think for me maybe uh, maybe the first piece of advice that that I remember that really changed things radically for me was to fish under the surface. I think I began as a dry fly addict and thought, you know, if I can't catch them on the surface, well, why bother? But um, one of my mentors, one of the key fly fishing mentors, Bob Granger, longtime uh, tire guide, worked for Orvis, uh, uh, had a lot of interesting people in his boat over the years. Uh, told me that 85% of a trout's diet is under the surface. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Uh, so that got me working hard at nymphing and also stripping streamers. And, and as much as I love catching fish on dries, I, I catch a lot more fish uh, by using a variety of techniques. And, and often it's, uh, you know, if there's nothing going on on the surface, uh, boy, you know, the, the action is underneath. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely it. So, okay, so that's our first one. What's, what's the second piece of advice, Dave? I would Dave? say the second for me came from a guide that we've used several times out near West Yellowstone named Curtis. And we were fishing for Hebgen Lake rainbows as they were coming up the Madison in the fall. And we were nymph fishing, and we were fishing on a windy day. And so we were casting from left to right, so over my right shoulder, and one, it's just a struggle to cast, period, right? If you're, for me, it's easy to cast from yeah. light to, right to left. But this was going from left to right and against and against the wind. And he was coaching us throughout the day. And he was, his, his tips were so great. But one of the things that stuck with me 
was he, he would look at you and say, listen, just because it's windy doesn't mean you need to cast harder. Yeah. That is not going to solve your problem. So counterintuitive, it's isn't it? It's so counterintuitive. He said, you need to use the same stroke that you're using when it's not windy. Yeah. And you're like, what? You know, because your tendency is like to throw more shoulder into yep. it mm-hmm. and it changed the mechanics. And so yeah. he had been, I think, an industrial engineer when he uh, went to college or graduated with a degree yep. in that. I don't know if he ever used it or not. Because well, now he he's uses a it now, though, doesn't he? Boy, he sure fishing. does. And Man. just understanding yeah. the mechanics of a stroke. Yeah. And so this whole idea that just because it's windy doesn't mean you should try harder. Yeah. I would say the second tip that, that I would h- highlight came from Curtis as well. And, and that's the, when your strike indicator, so you're nymphing, when your strike indicator is getting passed by the bubbles on the surface of the water, you have the right depth. And I would never thought about it that way, but Curtis pointed out that at the bottom of a river or stream, uh, that current's moving slower than the surface current. So, yeah, I'd always been told, well, you know that you're you're getting your nymph down far enough if you're getting snagged and every so often, every yeah. so often, and lose one. Well, yeah, how well does that work out for you? You're, you're having to tie on more nymphs. But Curtis said, look, uh, you just just watch the surface, and when your strike indicator slows down, when it's going slower than those bubbles, the uh, the bubbles are passing it like race cars. Uh, then you know that that you're at the right depth, and that that's been so helpful. Yeah, that was so, so helpful. helpful. These yeah. little simple tips are just amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. they they really are. Okay, so we are talking about best fly fishing advice, but before we continue, here is a brief word about our sponsor, Doctor Squatch Soap Company. Yeah, that's right. Dave, I'm not a coffee drinker. I know I have a mutant gene. My, you my are fa- a mutant. My family makes fun of me for that. So my morning hot shower is the equivalent of a morning cup of coffee. And honestly, I have to say that I look forward to my morning shower even more because of the shampoo and the conditioner. I mean, it is, it is great stuff. I love the smell of both, but I love the smell of the conditioner. It feels so clean and and of course, I, I love the soap, a lot of great kinds. I've, I've already said I'm a huge fan of the, the pine tar, but uh, it, it is great stuff. And it, it, it just it seems so silly to say it. It sounds like a cliche, but I, I really do look forward to using those products when I shower in the morning. Well, I love the shampoo too, but I have to say it's the bars of soap. And there's all these different kinds of bars of soap, so it's not just one, the pine tar is my favorite as well. There's a eucalyptus, there's a bay rum. I mean, the list goes on and on. They've been very, very creative in their branding of the soaps, but each one is unique and each one is different. So I I really highly recommend this soap and they make a great Christmas gift or holiday gift. Yeah, so go to drsquatch.com, fill up your shopping cart. Make sure to use the two guys promo code, two guys. And subscribe today. And you'll get 20% off in that first order if you use that two guys code. Well, now back to our discussion about the best pieces of fly fishing advice that we've received. So uh, a third piece of advice, uh, Dave, what would that be for you? The third really is something I have learned just recently, and that came from watching our friend Dave Cumling, who we did an interview with several episodes ago on fishing with streamers 
but use the tip of your rod, not your left hand if you're right-handed, to create the stripping action when streamer fishing. Hmm. And there's some of you are going, really, Dave, after all these years that you're learning this? And it's really true. So before, I would just strip with the left hand, right? You have the, the right hand has the has the uh, line through it on through your finger mm-hmm. and you're stripping right in yeah. short strips or long strips there's all different ways to strip and I've caught a lot of fish using that method but watching him and then we interviewed him and he said well here's what I do is that I use the tip of the rod and that's what's unique about the fly rod right you have that flexibility to strip with the tip and so what he's doing with his left hand is just taking up the slap slack and curling that uh, the line in his left hand. So that tip, which is essentially using the tip of your fly rod to strip, to create the stripping motion, to me was really fresh and really new to me. And yeah. I, yeah. I've used it already to catch fish, and I can see this being really, really productive. But we watched him, I think he caught 50 that day. Yeah, I, I think mean, so. He, he admitted that, but... He probably caught more than that. Yeah. Now that we know his uh, technique, we're not going to get out fish three to one or two to one, are we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, we still are. Yeah, but, we'll uh, still yeah. get out fish. Yeah. By him. yeah. How about you? What's your third best or third best fly fishing advice? I would say it's something that I learned from Gary Borger, and it has to do with casting. Uh, you know, casting is not like waving a wand, or, or I think for me. When I learned to cast, I would kind of put my whole body into it. And what Gary Borger said is to snap your wrist forward and backward to cast effectively. Now, you'll use a little bit of arm action, but he's demonstrated this before, and I've, I've played around with it, where uh, you know I, I could keep my uh, arm in the same position and just snap my wrist uh, with the rod. And it's amazing how far you can cast. Uh, the, the way to do this, the way to practice it, is to take your hand, and, and you, you probably did this as a kid, you made a pistol out of your hand, and do that, and then practice snapping it forward and backward, just keep doing that, and, and really pronounced action. Well, then pick up your fly rod and do the same thing. Just, you know, even keep your, your arm stationary, but just snap forward and back, You'd be surprised how much line goes out because you're making the rod work for you. And you talked about this already, Dave, but just the mechanics. Sometimes we, we put so much of our body into it that we're really waving the rod around and instead of uh, you know, putting it in a motion where it will load and then, and then unload that fly line. So that was a huge, uh, huge uh, piece of advice for me. In fact, when we were just fish, we were fishing out in Montana in September, and I was hitting the water uh, behind me with my back cast. We were trying to cast out maybe 40, 50 feet, maybe 60 feet at some point. It was really hard to do standing on the end of the, at the back end of the drift boat. My loop is way too wide. I got to get my loops tighter, and it, had, it really had to do with this tip, which is snapping that wrist. Absolutely. And make the rod work for you. Make yeah. the rod do what it was meant to do. That's, that's really the key. All right, how about a fourth piece of best fly fishing advice? I think we each have another one here. So another is just the importance of stocking trout, especially on the small spring creeks. And for some of you, again, this is going to be patently obvious, but this came from 
my reading of Gary Borger as well, you know, he has made such a huge difference in my thinking and, yeah, and how really I has. fish. You know, I grew up walleye and northern pike and bass fishing in North Dakota and in South Dakota. And there's just not a lot of stocking of fish when you're on a boat or you're casting from shore. And, and so this has created a, almost a complete, well, it has created a completely different mindset. Even when I'm walking up on a creek, I don't ever, well, I never walk up on a creek or never walk up on a run. I'm always, sometimes I'll be on my knees before I even, before I'm like 20, 30 feet from the spring, from the creek. And right? it makes for some great photos, Dave. It, it does make for some great <laughs> photos. But when, when you're not profiled high like that, you can get so much closer, especially in those smaller, more shallow creeks. Well, I'd say a, a fourth piece of advice I've learned also comes from Gary Borger. Yeah, like you, I've, I've learned so much from him. And, and this has to do with the way that you fight fish. Uh, you know, for years, I never thought about this, but he says that uh, when, you, when you're fighting fish and you want to tire them out so that you can get them in quickly, uh, what you want to do is you want to pull them from side to side, not pulling them straight up. And I thought... Well, how often have I just kept my, you know, the, the motion with my rod is kind of up or down or up. I'm, I'm pulling up. But he said, that doesn't tire the fish out. You know, a fish's muscles are in a chevron pattern on the side of its body. So if you're going to make that fish work, you've got to pull it from side to side rather than uh, pulling it straight up. And, and that tires it out. And then you can get it in a lot more quickly and, and release it. And as, as we've talked about before, and even interviewed some experts on our podcast, uh, really what, uh, what decreases a fish's mortality rate and what increases its survival rate is getting them in quickly. So that's a, that's a great piece of advice. Plus, if, if you want to land a big fish, uh, that's what you've got to do. Yeah, that's great. All right, one more. Do we have each have a fifth piece of advice in us? Well, here's another, and that is, for me, it's adding a dropper to my dry fly. So for years, I just fished, I was either fishing dry flies or fishing nymphs and just, and I don't even know where I learned this. Well, I think it was from me, Dave. Yeah, it's one of the many, many deep pieces of advice I've gotten from you. Yeah, thanks. You haven't quoted me yet. I'm, I'm kind of uh, disappointed. Yeah, yes, exactly. Right. Deeply hurt. But yeah. just adding six inches or 12 inches and, and of tippet and, and, and dropping, and usually what I'll drop is like a WD-40, which can serve both as a a betis or midge imitation, or like an olive serendipity, but really something tiny. I, last summer when I was out fishing with your brother at Bear Creek, which is this little creek near Evergreen, Colorado, and there's cars buzzing by, and it's, it's quite busy, yeah. but I immediately caught one on a dry fly, and then it slowed down. I added a dropper, and I probably caught another eight or nine fish. Well, you made a killing this summer. I, I watched you, or this fall, when uh, we were fishing in Yellowstone National Park on the Yellowstone River uh, with that olive serendipity. Yeah, it's just a nice little thing, to nice little fly to drop. So uh, That is a great tip because, you know, I often think about, well, yeah, if I'm nymphing, I'm going to put a dropper on. But sometimes with a dry fly, I get kind of lazy. And, yeah, that, that may be the, the key time to well, do it. And some of those, if you just put them just a few inches or maybe six inches down, it's, they're still hanging in the film. So they just function like an emerger. Yeah, exactly. And, and often, for example, if, if, they're, if, I'm, if they're, for example, if we're fishing for cat, well, <laughs> we're not fishing for caddis. Yeah. We're, using, we're fishing caddis, 
trying to catch trout. But if they're not hitting stuff on the surface, I had that emerger, it, I often will start to catch fish. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. Well, here's the final, here's my final one, my fifth one, and that would be fish the banks. And I don't remember who taught me this. I, I may have read it or maybe somebody told me, probably both. But if you watch where the drift boats fish, it's fascinating. You know, you think of a drift boat, well, now you can cover water that nobody else can get to, so you can fish the middle of the river. Uh, no, uh, drift boats are, are crowding the banks. They're, they're throwing uh, their, their flies, they're casting their flies to uh, the banks, and, and that's, that's where the fish are in a river. I mean, this fall in the Yellowstone and in the Gardner, we caught all of our fish in, in runs along the bank, didn't we, Dave? I mean, yeah, most absolutely. Of them. Yeah, absolutely. There were a few places where the run was maybe five, you know, ten feet out from the bank, but so many of those were, were right along the bank. And, and we don't even bring our waders when we fish the Yellowstone. No. One, it's so swift. No. And there's only certain places where you can actually uh, wade and not die. But, but everything's along the bank, all the great structures along the sure. bank and well and sometimes in, in rivers like the madison in montana i've even waded out a little bit so that i could cast uh, into the bank that way i'm, I'm out away from it and, and my movements my shadows are going to be minimized where you know if you walk up to a bank and the run is is right there at your feet uh, you could spook fish so what we're saying is as we think about all of this advice today is that really the best fly fishing advice from others is the best way to improve your improve your chops. Yep, absolutely. And I can't tell you how much I've learned from the listeners uh, over the last several years as we've done this podcast. Yep. And just these little tips here and there, you think, man. And the thing is, you just can't know all this stuff, right? No, and you so, really can't. And so when people give you these little hacks or these little tips or these insights, it really makes a big, big difference in how many fish you catch. Yep, sure does. Well, speaking of advice, uh, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment from David. He's a longtime listener, a veteran fly fisher, and he is responding to our podcast on protecting your fly rod. This is what David said. Excellent advice, especially to slow down, take your time, concentrate and focus. And then he says in all caps, most of all, think. LOL. <laughs> Don't feel bad, guys. We've all had that kind of day. I've broken the tip on my graphite rod due to bad casting of bead heads in winter. Huh. In fact, I broke that same rod tip more than once. I've broken my rod while in a hurry to get out of a thunderstorm in the truck door. Worst of all, I broke the tip of my favorite one-piece, two-weight bamboo rod because, again, I was in a hurry to try and remove the fly. And of all things... A loop formed in my leader, and the fly line caught a rock, and before I could stop, it broke the tip. Oh. Terrible ending to what was a good day. Wow. Then he says, I like your comment about making sure you put your rod away dry, especially a bamboo rod. You know, that, that's a good point, Dave. Yeah, I had, very good uh, point. We don't fish with bamboo rods, but I know a number of, of fly fishers who do. So as, as David uh, says in this comment, he says, putting a bamboo rod away wet can completely destroy the rod, mostly for mold. Uh, good podcast, guys. Great advice for those who are starting out in the world of fly fishing. And to those lucky enough to not have, have the unpleasant experience of breaking a rod or losing 
a rod in some cases. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, isn't that true? Oh, that's a great comment. Yeah, I know. It's uh, hard to have a good day of fly fishing yeah. when you've broken your rod. Yeah, and you didn't bring your second along with. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Everything. Well, that's all for today. What's the best fly fishing advice you've received? Please tell us by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysintheriver.com. We'd love to hear some of the advice that has changed the way that you fly fish. And thank you for referring our podcast, forwarding on our email alerts, or just mentioning the podcast to your TU chapter, Fly Fishing Club, your friends. That is how we continue to grow. Thank you so much. And continue to send us ideas for podcast episodes. Uh, we recently published uh, a podcast on burnout, and that came directly from uh, one of our listeners. One thing, if you haven't yet purchased our mega 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 bestseller the fly fisher's book of lists life is short catch more fish you can find that on amazon absolutely i mean it's got some great uh, advice it does actually yeah and it comes from all the all the people who've mentored us in various ways through the years that's right we'll tell you all the secrets that we've learned that have made us the mediocre fishermen that we are <laughs> On second oh, thought, yeah, maybe you don't want to buy that book. That's right. <laughs> oh, my. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing.